Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Yesterday, Stephen Crowder's investigative reporters broke a huge story, the long-hidden manifesto of the Nashville, Tennessee trans school shooter. On March 27th, 2023, the shooter, a 28-year-old woman who believed she was a man, shot up the Covenant School in Green Hills, killing six people, mostly children. Given the identity of the shooter, the media quickly jumped to the narrative that the story was lack of gun control. In fact, that narrative quickly spun into another narrative about racism after two black Democratic lawmakers illegally stormed the House floor in Tennessee and took control of the chamber and then faced the prospect of expulsion from their seats. Gun control and racism against black Americans, those were the narratives the media spun about the Nashville shooting. The real story obviously was not that. It was the evil insanity of the shooter herself. What might have forced coverage of that issue would have been if we had all seen the shooter's manifesto. In virtually all other cases in which a mass shooter leaves a manifesto, the manifesto, or at least its general message, is made public nearly immediately. The August 2023 Jacksonville shooting targeting black Americans featured a white supremacist manifesto, for example. The 2019 El Paso shooting targeting Hispanic Americans featured another white supremacist manifesto. The 2015 Charleston church shooting featured a white supremacist manifesto. The shooter in Nashville had a manifesto, too. But we were told it was utterly unclear just why the shooter had targeted a religious school. And we were told that the manifesto was, quote, rambling without a clear political motivation. In fact, a federal law enforcement official told NBC News that, quote, no direct motive has been established in the investigation and then suggested that the driving force of the attack was similar to previous school shootings in which the assailant was drawn to other mass killers. We were told that the manifesto might never be released, despite the fact that the Nashville Police Department released a list of items belonging to the shooter, including a suicide note, three folders, and 19 journals. It has now been seven months. The manifesto still has not been officially released. But Crowder's investigative team somehow obtained three pages of the manifesto. And here is some of what it says. 2-3-23. Kill those kids. Those crackers going to private fancy schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks with their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. F you, you little bleeps. I wish to shoot you weak ass with your mop yellow hair. Want to kill all you little crackers. Bunch of little F words with your white privileges. F you F words. 3-27-23. Death day. Today is the day. The day has finally come. I can't believe it's here. Don't know how I was able to get this far, but here I am. I'm a little nervous, but excited too. Been excited for the past two weeks. There were several times I could have been caught, especially back in the summer of 2021. None of that matters now. I'm almost an hour and seven minutes away. Can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. My only fear is if anything goes wrong, I'll do my best to prevent any of the sort. God let my wrath take over my anxiety. It might be 10 minutes tops. It might be three to seven. It's going to go quick. I hope I have a high death count, unquote. So what do we know about the shooter? Well, we know that the shooter spouted radical left-wing slogans about white privilege and wanted to shoot white kids. We also know that the shooter came out as a transgender man on Facebook in 2022. We know the shooter attended the Christian school as a 10-year-old kid. In other words, we know that a transgender person suffering from severe mental illness and citing left-wing slogans on race targeted white Christian kids. Or the case the reverse, were the shooter a religious Christian targeting sexually confused children of color, the manifesto would have undoubtedly been released immediately. The entire media conversation would have centered on the evils of Christianity and white racism in America. But the story had to be buried, and that right quickly. It's not okay to talk about trans violence in the United States, despite violent threats that attach to anyone who says that men are not women and women are not men. In fact, the Washington Post ran an entire piece after the trans school shooting, claiming that the right was, quote, exploiting Nashville shooting to escalate anti-trans rhetoric. The White House issued its sympathy for trans people overall. Here is Karine Jean-Pierre right after the shooting. And one of the things that we saw during the midterm elections is that 
people don't want their freedoms to be taken. They want us to fight for their freedoms. And so it is shameful, it is disturbing, and uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. The story from the White House, from the left, is always about the victimhood of trans Americans. Trans Americans are always experiencing a massive wave of deadly violence, even if that isn't statistically true. It is not okay to talk about anti-white violence in the United States either. Whiteness, we have been told, must be abolished. Whiteness is inherent privilege. Whiteness is a disease. It's a curse. Never mind the fact that in 2021, 87% of all non-lethal interracial violent crimes committed between blacks and whites, for example, were black on white, as Heather McDonald points out. Whiteness is the problem. The fact that these are cherished left-wing narratives means they must be protected at all costs. And that means burying an inconvenient manifesto. In reality, if we're going to release any mass shooters manifestos, and that's questionable whether we should, but if we are going to release any of them, we have to release all of them. If we're going to examine the motives of mass shooters in order to uncover supposedly unique American ills, we are owed the full panoply of the criminally evil. But we won't get that full view. And we all know why. In just a second, we will get to a shocking murder that happened in Los Angeles, the result of pro-Hamas, quote-unquote, protesters first. I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. When you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? That'd be a dumb move. Using the internet without ExpressVPN, it's like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Did you know your ISP knows every single website you visit? What's worse is they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. ExpressVPN works on everything, phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. The best part is using ExpressVPN, it's as easy as closing that bathroom door. You just fire up the app, you click one button, and now you are protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by Mashable, The Verge, and countless others. So if you're like me and you believe your data is your business, protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben to get three months for free. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, the financial experts said we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The United States right now is in the hole by $34 trillion. But we're going to keep spending. We're going to keep printing. And that's going to keep pushing up those prices. So you can bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversification, always a smart financial strategy. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get it from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you as well. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, diversification, always a smart strategy. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free, like no strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost a thousand bucks a year. Plus, 
With PureTalk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let PureTalk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make that switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch on over to my cell phone company. I've been using PureTalk myself for several years at this point. I can tell you the coverage is excellent. Go check them out right now. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so meanwhile, We've been told that these pro-Hamas protests, they are all peaceful. They are all decent. It's not that they're anti-American radicals who wish to destroy the West. No, no, no. These are all decent members of the intersectional coalition. Again, the narrative in America is very simple and in the rest of the West for the left. There's a group of people. We call these people the oppressors. And there's a group of people. And we call these people the oppressed. And if you're a member of an oppressed group, you can never be an oppressor. And if you're a member of an oppressor group, you can never be oppressed. That's the way this works. So if you're a trans school shooter, you're a member of an oppressed group, an oppressed minority. And that means that we have to bury your motives and your identity if, in fact, it turns out that your motives and your identity are connected with your status as one of the oppressed. If you are a member of an oppressor group, and here we just mean people who are powerful, people who are rich, people who are not poor, it doesn't matter if you're oppressed. If you're a Jew, for example, in the United States, and Jews are disproportionately highly educated and wealthy in the United States, if you're a Jew, that means you are a member of an oppressor class. And that means that no matter what happens to you, we have to pretend it didn't happen to you. We have to pretend that you are somehow the victimizer. This this extends, by the way, it abstracts up to the highest level in international politics. If you're a member of an oppressed group, say the Palestinians, for example, and we know they're oppressed because they're poor and they're not poor because they haven't spent a dime building up their own society. They're not poor because they continuously elect and put into power people who are terrorists. They're not poor because they've decided that murdering Jews is more important than actually growing civil society. No, they're poor because obviously they were exploited. And we know they were exploited because they were poor. It's perfectly circular. They're poor because they were exploited. And we know they were exploited because they are poor. They're in the oppressor. They are in the oppressed category. That means that whatever they do to the quote unquote oppressor, even if that oppressor is the only thing that has provided them any money, any living, any jobs for the past 20 years, even if that oppressor, quote unquote, pulled out of the Gaza Strip in 2005, that means that anything that happens to the oppressor group, meaning, you know, civilian Jews in Israel is justified. Anything that happens to Hamas is unjustified. That is the logic. And that logic justifies pretty much anything. It justifies pretty much anything. It also ends with blood because it turns out that if you break down all of society and all of civilization into these two groups, oppressor versus oppressed, what you end up with is people who believe they are oppressed and also believe that they have full immunity to do whatever they want. This is why the Black Lives Matter riots did $2 billion in damage. There was a baseline assumption that people could do whatever they want. And you know what? They were right. And it's why over the weekend, you saw people to face statues of Ben Franklin, try to climb the White House walls. This is why you saw that. The reason that you saw all of this is because these people feel they have immunity because they are a member of a quote-unquote oppressed class. And if you are not a member of an oppressed class, let's say that you are a white American, the way that you're able to join the oppressed classes, which is a great thing because the incentive structure is to give you full immunity for anything you do. All you have to do is join the Solidarity Coalition. That's all you have to do. That presumably is the reason why all of these violent protests are happening all over the world. Because again, once you're a member of an oppressed group, you can do whatever the hell that you want. And it's not as though people don't say this out loud. They do. There's a fascinating piece over at the New York Times called Across the Echo Chamber, A Quiet Conversation About War and Race. When two acquaintances in Atlanta sat down to find common ground on the Israel-Hamas war, they found themselves in a painful conversation about race, power, and whose suffering is recognized. Race, power, and whose suffering. So the entire article is about two people, one named Samara Minkin, 
who um, is a Jewish woman, a very liberal Jewish woman, and the other, a woman named Sinidia Oliver. Sinidia Oliver is a pro-Hamasnik, and she wrote online, quote, the actual history of this situation is not complicated. I will always stand beside those with less power, less wealth, less access and resources and choices, regardless of the extreme acts of a few militants who are done watching their people slowly die. So she says the quiet part out loud, the Sinidia Oliver, if you're a member of a quote-unquote powerless group, if you are poor, you can do literally anything and she will stand with you. And this entire article is about Minkin, who has bought in, again, she's a liberal Jew, Minkin, who has bought into that premise, not being able to convince Oliver out of that premise. Quote, in nearly two hours together on a recent Wednesday afternoon, the women stumbled through a discussion of race, power, history, and whose suffering gets acknowledged. Both liberal Democrats, they touched on many of the same disputes now roiling their party, college campuses, and companies across the country. So what exactly did the conversation go like? It went exactly as you would think. Oliver said, quote, I have a very strong affiliation with marginalized people, brown, displaced, refugees, black. We usually hear the perspectives of those in power, and our school is about amplifying the voices of the disempowered. She then accused Minkin of defending, quote, settler colonialism. And she recalled expressing disbelief that the displacement felt okay to Jewish people. Minkin thought that question was an oversimplification because she's not historically ignorant. She said Jews have historical ties to the land. She said, we have failed to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge that the policies that have been applied thus far have failed. I hope maybe at the end of this, there's some sort of large policy cracked open by the people who are supposed to be leaving us, leading us. Okay, but in the end, all that happened is that Minkin said, quote, you see me as white. In that scenario, your lens of the oppressed and the oppressor leaves only one space for me. But I see myself as Jewish in that scenario. It's much more complicated. That is the wrong argument. But Minkin can't get out of the argument because once you're in the oppressor-oppressed matrix, it doesn't matter if you try to claim that you are Jewish and not white. That makes no difference at all. You are a member of an oppressor class because Jews in the United States are disproportionately wealthy and highly educated, which means you're an oppressor. The actual answer that Minkin refuses to say is the oppressor-oppressed binary is stupid and wrong. What makes you an oppressor is being oppressive. What makes you oppressed is being oppressed. It doesn't, it doesn't identify by race. It doesn't identify by income. But as long as the left is addicted to this sort of nonsense, evil is going to occur and be justified by the left. Well, that is where we are with regard to these pro-Hamas protests, which resulted in the murder of a 69-year-old Jewish man the other day. According to ABC7, Paul Kessler died as a result of injuries sustained at an event Sunday, according to Ventura County Sheriff's Office investigators. He's 69 years old. He was, quote, injured in an altercation at a pro-Palestinian rally. That's a, that's a very nice way of saying that he was beat over the head with a megaphone, which is actually what happened. It is believed Kessler was involved in an altercation with pro-Palestinian demonstrators when he was injured. He then fell and hit his head on the ground, according to the sheriff's office. So remember, if January 6th, the protesters slash rioters are involved in physical altercations with officers and those officers die days later, that means January 6th was a violent insurrection that ended with death. If, however, a pro-Hamas protester beats a 69-year-old man on the head and he falls down and hits his head and then dies, then that's just, a, that's just an altercation. It's just a thing that happened, kind of. The nature of the altercation remains under investigation, but some reports indicate that before he fell, Kessler was struck in the head with a megaphone by an individual with the pro-Palestinian event. He was pronounced dead on Monday. The Ventura County Medical Examiner's Office has determined Kessler's death to be a homicide caused by blunt force head injury. By the way, this is not in like the dregs of Los Angeles. This is in Thousand Oaks, which is one of the nice, more upscale areas of Los Angeles. What was his great crime? Apparently, he was flying an Israeli flag. The Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles released a statement, quote, we are devastated to learn of the tragic death of an elderly Jewish man who was struck in the head by a megaphone wielded by a pro-Palestinian protester in Westlake Village. Our hearts are with the family of the victim. 
While we wait for more information from our law enforcement partners, we remind you this is the fourth major anti-Semitic crime committed in L.A. this year alone. Violence against our people has no place in civilized society. But again, civilized society is, um, it depends on how you define civilization. And for the left, civilized society means pretending that anybody who is standing with the quote-unquote oppressed can get away with literally anything. This is the way the logic works on the left. And what does that lead to? Shockingly, a rise in anti-Semitism. We'll get to more on that momentarily. First, the October 15th tax deadline has already passed. I know many of you might be dreading the stress of filing your taxes. Filing your taxes can be a long, excruciating process, but if you fail to file, you'll start to pile penalties on your tax debt. This is why you need to check out Tax Network USA. The team at Tax Network USA has a track record of success. They've reduced tax debts for numerous clients, totaling over a billion dollars. Whether you're looking at a $10,000 or $1 million tax debt, they can help you with a settlement. Doesn't matter if you haven't filed in a year, five years, even a whole decade. Tax Network USA is equipped to secure the best settlement for you. Their expert attorneys and tax professionals can help resolve all tax cases, no matter how they started. Don't let tax debt control your life any longer. Take the first step to resolving your tax issues by visiting taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro. Again, that's taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro today. If you've fallen into tax debt, it can absolutely ruin your life. You need to figure out a way to get out of that, and you don't have to do it alone. You should contact our friends over at Tax Network usa.com slash Shapiro and take those first steps to resolving your tax issues. Okay, so, and we are seeing anti-Semitic incidents across the nation, many of them violent. According to the New York Post, an Indiana woman whom cops described as a terrorist has been arrested after she allegedly plowed her car into what she thought was a Jewish school. This story is actually hilarious because it turns out that it was a, it was a, um, a bad guy on bad guy crime. Ruba Almagtha, 34, allegedly backed her vehicle into a building associated with black Hebrew Israelites in Indianapolis late Friday, while several adults and children were inside. The reason I say it's a bad guy and bad guy crime in terms of it's in, it's, it's more accurate. It's an anti-Semite and anti-Semite crime. The black Hebrew Israelites are an anti-Semitic group. She saw a Jewish star on the building and she assumed that it was a synagogue. And so she ran her car into a black Hebrew Israelite congregation. She was offended by a Hebrew Israelite symbol out front. According to a police report, she said, yes, I did it on purpose. She repeatedly described the building as the Israel school. Adding the driver also made a reference to, quote, her people back in Palestine. Now, is the White House going to comment on any of this? Of course not. They buy into the oppressor-oppressed matrix. So the White House will build an entire Islamophobia campaign off of the evil stabbing of a Palestinian kid and his mom in Michigan. And then meanwhile, they will never mention a woman driving her car into a school because she thought that it was a Jewish school. I assume they will never mention a 69-year-old Jewish man being killed on the street in Thousand Oaks because he was flying an Israeli flag? Because all of that blows up the narrative. Meanwhile, overnight, a Brooklyn man was arrested for attacking religious Jews with pepper spray. Here's some of the video. Here he is being, this is a, uh, the person being arrested. Apparently, it was a female who's attacking Jews with pepper spray in Brooklyn, she had a knife and pepper spray on her when she was arrested. Meanwhile, poster destroyers are going a little bit further now. They're not just destroying posters of kidnapped children. They're actively attacking people who try to stop them or ask them questions about it. Here was some video from the streets of New York. What the f***? Oh, oh, what, what, what are you doing? Again, this woman no, believes that she has full impunity. She's a member of an oppressed class, which means that she can, uh, you know, assault people on the streets. She can assault people. It's totally fine. Why are you taking signs of kidnapped people? I don't understand. 
understand. Don't worry. It's all, it's all fine. Because again, oppressor, oppressed matrix. That is the way that this works. And this is the way, by the way, that the coalition is built. The coalition is the supposed coalition of the oppressed. And it makes up three categories. You have the actual full-scale members of Hamas. So as it turns out, for example, according to the UK Telegraph, the people organizing the marches, these giant marches in Britain, are members of Hamas. Mohammed Katham Salah is a, for, is a founder of the Muslim Association of Britain, one of six groups that organized the London March set for November 11th. He's a former Hamas chief. He's a former Hamas chief, and he's organizing this thing. So you have the actual Hamas next. Those people are accompanied by the civilizational fellow travelers. They're accompanied by the other members of the supposedly oppressed case. And those people are accompanied by the cowards. And the cowards are people who just say moral equivalents to all. I take no sides. I am a moral sophisticate. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say that I wish that peace reigned on earth. The miscongeniality version of world foreign policy. That doesn't matter if terrorists are killing people and then people are attempting to kill terrorists. It's all the same to me. And I just don't know enough. I'm just, I just don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm smart enough that I can comment on the situation. I'm smart enough that I can inject myself into the situation. But I'm certainly, I'm not wise enough to actually take sides. All I know is that genocide on all sides is wrong. Of course, trying to pretend that we don't know exactly who, what you are doing when you say that both sides are attempting to commit genocide. Everybody can see exactly what you're doing when you do this, you pseudo-sophisticated idiots, you. It is truly amazing, this coalition. And this coalition, in the end, just reinforces that same oppressor-oppressed matrix that is undermining Western civilization. That is what it is. And that oppressor-oppressed matrix is riding hard to try to convince Joe Biden now to separate off from his support for Israel. That is the goal. The goal is to undercut American support for Israel by citing this matrix, this oppressed matrix. We'll get to that in just one second. First, as a Daily Wire listener, you're not just informed, you are engaged, you value freedom and personal responsibility. This is why you need to check out MediShare. MediShare is a community-based approach to healthcare that lines up with the principles you believe in. Your values matter, and with MediShare, your healthcare dollars won't be used for medical procedures that don't line up with your beliefs. MediShare is the highest rated healthcare sharing ministry with a 30-year proven track record. It's not health insurance. It's a community of over 400,000 believers committed to caring and sharing with one another. Members save up to 50% or more on their monthly healthcare costs. Member satisfaction surveys show they like MediShare much more than health insurance. Why? Well, because it works. For a limited time, Daily Wire listeners will receive a $150 gift card when they join MediShare. To find out more, go to MediShare.com slash Ben. That's MediShare.com slash Ben. Terms and conditions do apply. We all know the shortcomings of the American health insurance system. One way that you can end around that and get the care you need is to join up with MediShare, the highest rated healthcare sharing ministry with a 30-year proven track record. Go check them out right now. That's MediShare.com slash Ben and get a $150 gift card when you join. Okay, so the this intersectional coalition, the oppressed matrix, they are now attempting to utilize whatever leverage they have in order to push Joe Biden to abandon Israel. This is Jamal Bowman, the congressman from New York. And the, the idea here is that if Joe Biden doesn't abandon Israel, it's going to cost him the election. Now, that is not what the polling data suggests. Joe Biden has had very bad polling data for months at this point, years actually. Some of the worst polling data that we can see. But there's an attempt to hang this on what's going on in the Middle East. Now, his poll numbers have gone down kind of slightly since the beginning of this war. The reason being, whenever there is a war, people don't like war. People get mad at war. People do not like conflagrations. And they blame the president in power when that sort of thing happens to be connected with their policy. But the idea that 
It's because there are people who are upset with Israel that they are now moving away from Joe Biden and what, toward Donald Trump, the most pro-Israel president in American history? That's a bizarre read of the data, but that's exactly what the quote-unquote oppressed matrix is attempting to achieve here. Here is Jabal Bowman, a moral moron. Could this war cost him re-election? Yes, it could. And let me just be very clear. It's one thing to support Israel, which the U.S. has always done and will continue to do. It's another thing to never hold Israel accountable for their behavior, whether it's related to the occupation, the open-air prison that is Gaza, or the war crimes that are taking place right now during this siege. I mean, Israel was very clear from the beginning. We're going to cut off water, food, electricity. They've used white phosphorus. Uh, in terms of collective punishment, that's what's happening right now. Okay, that is a lie. That is a lie. He says that you're, they're using white phosphorus. No, there's been no evidence that they are using white phosphorus. When he suggests that America is not, quote unquote, holding Israel to account on human rights, Israel is being as meticulous as it can be in one of the world's most densely populated area that is honeycombed underneath with terror tunnels. This is why Israel is, for example, not simply bombing the entire place from the air. It's why Israel is currently opening humanitarian corridors and Hamas is attempting to close them. Israeli troops are being attacked as they open humanitarian corridors to allow people to leave the north of the Gaza Strip where they're engaged in a battle and move toward the south of the Gaza Strip. That video is widely available. You can see it. Here is some of that video. You can see Israel is actually opening like full streets, like they stop the bombing for hours at a time to allow huge convoys of people to leave the areas where they are attacking and move south. Many of them are carrying white flags because they want to be seen as civilians. Hey, but according to Jamal Bowman, they don't care about Israel is committing human rights. Again, the lie that somehow what is happening here to Joe Biden's poll numbers are chiefly because Joe Biden is supporting Israel. That is something that's being promoted very, very high by people who hate the state of Israel, like really hate it. According to Politico, fears are growing paramount among Democrats over President Joe Biden's standing one year out of the 2024 election. Now, some of us could have predicted that he was a weak candidate, given the fact that he is an octogenarian who can barely make sentences out of his face hole. Given the fact that the economy has been on a rough ride for the last three years, given the fact that we have wild conflagrations in not only the Middle East, but Eastern Europe and maybe in the South China Sea. It turns out people don't like chaos. And Joe Biden, who promised solidity, has guaranteed even more chaos in terms of policy, far more chaos in terms of policy than Donald Trump. Things were way better in 2019 than they are in 2023. And everybody basically feels that. Okay, that has nothing to do with Joe Biden being pro-Israel in this conflict. But again, the radicals in the party are attempting to say that if your coalition is the Obama coalition of 2012, namely the quote-unquote dispossessed and a few white liberal ladies, well, then you better get that coalition dispossessed together. And the only way to do that is to dump Israel off the side of the boat. According to Politico, within the party, there are emerging concerns. His support for Israel and its war against Hamas is weakening him among key parts of his party's base. Americans' attitudes are shifting quickly about the conflict, and a lot could change between now and next November. By the way, they're not shifting quickly about the conflict. The American people are behind Israel in the conflict by every available polling metric. A series of New York Times polls released Sunday is likely to supercharge the worries among some Democrats about the political fallout from Biden's handling of the conflict. Those polls showed Biden trailing former President Trump in five of the six battleground states among registered voters. Foreign policy is a weak spot for Biden. The Times polls show registered voters in the battleground states trust Trump over Biden on managing Israel-Palestinian conflict by a margin of 11 percentage points. Voters under 30 years old, much like the broader electorate, prefer Trump to manage the issue by 10 points. Swing state voters under 30 are only backing Biden by a single percentage point per the time survey. Now, question. In what world is the American people favoring Trump over Biden in the Middle East? An anti-Israel point of view. 
I'm going to need you to explain that one to me, like on, on a chart. Explain to me how if the American people back Trump, the most pro-Israel president in American history, over Joe Biden, who has been kind of wishy-washy on the issue up until now, how is that a, how is that a referendum on pro-Israel feeling? But again, this is all ginned up. It's all a manufactured crisis inside the Biden administration, which is presumably why you have members of the State Department who are now leaking internal memos criticizing Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. The memo that was, again, leaked by low-level State Department staffers who should all be fired because, honest to God, if you run an executive branch department and your low-level staffers are leaking things, they should be on the unemployment lines tomorrow. That is the way it works. The memo has two key requests, that the U.S. support a ceasefire and that it balance its private and public messaging toward Israel, including airing criticisms of Israeli military tactics and treatment of Palestinians the U.S. generally prefers to keep private. The document says we must publicly criticize Israel's violations of international norms, such as a failure to limit offensive operations to legitimate military targets. Okay, first of all, that's a lie. Israel is targeting legitimate military targets. Please name the civilian only area that Israel is hitting. That is not the way that Israel is pursuing this war. Again, if they were, Israel has complete air superiority. I cannot repeat it enough. If Israel wished to turn the entire place to glass, they certainly have the military firepower to do so. They have not done so. Why? Because they don't wish to do so. And then, of course, they say when Israel supports settler violence and illegal land seizures or employs excessive use of force against Palestinians, we must communicate this publicly so that that this goes against our American values. So Israel does not act with impunity. Again, the, the... These sorts of dissent memos are being issued to try and craft a narrative, which is that Biden is losing support internally. Meanwhile, the the White House is apparently doing nothing about actual pro-Hamasniks impeding the flow of military weaponry. Last night, pro-Hamas protesters broke into the port of Tacoma in an attempt to stop the shipment of military weaponry. Here was some of the tape. Where the hell are the police? Where are the federal authorities? And these are protesters who blocked the port of Tacoma on Monday to protest what they said was a military ship bound for Israel. During the 12-hour protest, some people marched in circles, some waved Palestinian flags, some held up signs that said, no aid for Israel, ceasefire now, and resist until return, which of course is a call for the destruction of the state of Israel. Protesters believe the ship is transporting military equipment and weapons to Israel. If that is in fact the case, then these are people who are obstructing the function of the federal government which means they're engaging in criminal activity. Are any of them going to be prosecuted by the Biden administration? I'm still waiting. Speaking of which, is anyone going to be prosecuted for defacing the White House gates? So the day after that giant protest over the weekend, the White House gates were stained with bloody red handprints. This is called passionate protest by the journalists. Good news, they left their fingerprints directly on the wall. So uh, you could arrest all of those people. If these were right-wingers who had done this, all of them would be in jail, presumably without counsel, because that's the way this works. If, however, you are a pro-Hamas terrorist supporter and you put your um, and you put your handprints, your bloody red paint handprints on actual federal property, then everything is totally fine. Again, again, as long as you identify with the right people, you can do whatever the hell that you want. Meanwhile, this is having some impact on how the Biden administration is approaching the Israel-Hamas issue. Joe Biden is now raising the possibility of a tactical pause in Gaza fighting with Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, Israel is engaging in tactical pauses. Anybody who's been watching this conflict closely, like granularly, the way that I have, you understand there are certain hours of the day where there are no bombings, and Israel has multiple times, like a lot, announced we're not bombing between 10 and 2. Now is the time for you to move south. Israel does this a lot. Netanyahu himself said in an interview with ABC News, quote, as far as tactical little pauses 
an hour here, an hour there. We've had them before. I suppose we'll check the circumstances in order to enable goods, humanitarian goods to come in or our hostages, individual hostages to leave. But if, if the Biden administration is putting pressure on Israel to basically leave Hamas in power with ceasefires, then that is going to be a ridiculous failure on the part of the Biden administration. And that, of course, is the entire goal of the media at this point. John Kirby was pushing this yesterday. Here is the, uh, the spokesperson for the National Security Administration suggesting that Netanyahu should consider, quote unquote, tactical pauses. I don't even understand what that means. With the president and Benjamin Netanyahu, we were told that there was a good deal of discussion about a potential for tactical pauses in the fighting, again, uh, for humanitarian relief and all of that. Uh, did that come up? Or was it nixed by Benjamin Netanyahu? What can you tell us? It certainly did come up. It was absolutely one of the top things that the president wanted to talk to Prime Minister Netanyahu about. This is something that we believe needs to be explored, needs to be considered. And we're not just talking about one pause. We believe that there's probably value in multiple tactical pauses, discrete time, discrete geography for discrete purposes. Uh, and we still want we still want to pursue that. And we believe that this is a conversation that we have had in recent days with the Israelis. And we continue to uh, we know we're going to continue to have those conversations going forward. We're at the beginning of this conversation. We don't think we're at the end. Okay, I don't even know what you think the end looks like then. Bottom line is this. Whatever the United States has to say about tactical pauses, Israel is not going to leave Hamas in place. They're just not going to. It is not a possibility. There is complete unification within Israel and the military power to get rid of Hamas. This is what they're going to do. And what's going to come after is probably Israeli military control of the Gaza Strip. Even if some other power is put in municipal control of the area, Israel is going to have the ability to put its military assets on the ground in order to ferret out future terrorism. Israel will never, for the rest of its history, undergo what just happened again. Any government that would allow that to happen would not last very long in the state of Israel. So if all of this posturing is designed for the Arab states or for domestic radicals inside their own coalition, I just wonder, at a certain point, there's been a lot of talk on both sides of the aisle over the course of the last few years about throwing the radicals out of your coalition. Well, the Democrats are still coddling the radicals, including Rashida Tlaib. At a certain point, it might behoove you to get rid of Rashida Tlaib from your coalition if you are a Democrat who actually believes you have some moral leg to stand on. In just one second, we'll talk about the 2024 election. It could be the closest in a generation. That would rely on Donald Trump getting out of his own way. We'll get to that momentarily first. If you run a small business, you need to plan ahead. One of the best ways to do that is by using Stamps.com for all your mailing and shipping needs. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office space. That is incredibly convenient. Your shipping labels are ready to go in minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. We don't waste time here at Daily Wire. We've used Stamps.com since 2017. Our office management staff loves Stamps.com because they don't have to spend hours at the post office anymore. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. Plus, it will automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable to over a million businesses, including ours. You can print postage wherever you do business, no lines, no traffic, no waiting. They even send you a free scale, so you'll have everything you need to get started. Set your business up for success. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and free digital scale, no long-term commitments, no no contracts. Just go to stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage. Enter code Shapiro. Again, that's stamps.com. Click that mic at the top of the page. Enter code Shapiro. Also, we made Jeremy's razors because we were fed up with the nonsense being shouted from the woke left. Well, it's not just razors. Degree, Dove, Native, they have all joined the woke culture, but we're not just going to complain. We're going to create alternative quality products that match your expectations and resonate with your values. So after we released razors, we said, well, what do you want from Jeremy next? You said deodorant. So we now have Jeremy's deodorant. 
We stick to ingredients you can trust and pronounce like coconut oil and shea butter. Ingredients that make you smell great but are not toxic to your masculinity. With no room for aluminum, phthalates, talc, or ad campaigns with unattractive models. No one needs to see topless. It's all new. It's available right now. Go to jeremysrazors.com to get yours today. Well, meanwhile, the 2024 election could be the closest in a generation, according to the Wall Street Journal. The two parties are heading into neck-and-neck races next year to control all three levers of elected power in Washington, the House, Senate, and the presidency. That isn't often the case. Until 1995, Democrats held the House majority for 40 years, with an average margin of more than 80 seats. They won the Senate majority in 1954 and retained it until 1980. This year, Democrats hold on to the Senate and the Republican majority in the House are both at risk, while polls point to a close race for the White House. I mean, right now, it is the closest we have been in terms of sort of electoral balance in years and years and years and years, which means that the future of the country does rest on a razor's edge, which is why you know, if Donald Trump is the nominee and if Donald Trump continues to be at the center of headlines that are entirely about him and not about Joe Biden, it's going to be a serious problem for Republicans. I know Republicans right now are looking at these polling numbers and they're saying Joe Biden is super vulnerable. And that's true. He is unbelievably vulnerable right now. They're looking at these polling numbers that show Trump up in the swing states, and they're saying Trump could beat him. And that's also true. Trump could beat him. That also relies on a news cycle where Donald Trump is absent from the news cycle. The great, weird, toxic charm of Donald Trump is that the very thing that makes his base love him is the thing that makes independents hate him. The more he is seen, the less he is liked. If he ran Joe Biden's campaign from 2020, he would be president again. Unfortunately, all the headlines yesterday were all about him in court again. According to the same polls that are showing Trump up in the swing states, if he is convicted in any of the cases that are currently up in court, and there are four of them, if he's convicted in any of those cases, his poll numbers are going to drop. So right now, according to the New York Times poll, again, I'm only citing that poll because that's the exact same one showing Trump very, very durable against Biden in all the swing states. The polls found that for the most part, Trump is politically surviving the criminal charges against him before voting in the GOP primary. He leads Mr. Biden by between four and 10 percentage points in five of the six battleground states surveyed. And in a sixth state, Wisconsin, Biden is only up a little bit. The core of Trump's strength remains his perceived skill at managing the economy. However, if the former president is convicted and sentenced, around 6% of voters across Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin say they would switch their votes to Biden. That would be enough potentially to decide the election. It would presumably suppress some pro-Republican votes. If you look at the polling as to how Biden would fare against all the Republican candidates at this point, generic Republican, generic Republican, like a person with no name, just a a generic Republican, is up 15 points on Biden in Nevada, 16 in Georgia, 18 in Arizona, 14 in Michigan, Pennsylvania, plus 14, Wisconsin, plus 15. In other words, the more media coverage any Republican candidate receives, the less well they do against Biden, which is why Trump right now is up pretty solidly on Biden in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania. DeSantis is only up slightly, but he's up slightly in all of those states. And Haley, who again is the most generic Republican of the generic Republicans, is up six in Nevada, three in Georgia, seven in Arizona, 10 in Michigan, 10 in Pennsylvania, 13 in Wisconsin. So if this electability argument is going to be made, it's going to come down to, on Trump's behalf, I'm going to be disciplined, which again is a very difficult case for Trump to make. And that was made purely positive yesterday when he is testifying himself in this case, this bizarre and ridiculous case. It is. It's a stupid case being brought by Letitia James against Donald Trump in civil court for fraud. Now, again, it is not a criminal case, which means that all she has to show is preponderance of the evidence. She doesn't even have to show damages. 
That's what's crazy about this case. She doesn't have to show that, that Donald Trump, by inflating his real estate assets, stole money from anyone or hurt anyone. She just has to show that he inflated the value of his real estate assets and that people relied upon that in their decision-making, even if they made money. Well, that's a ridiculous case. It also happens to be the case that, again, if the scam is put Trump at the center of the attention cyclone and then just focus every camera on him, if that's the Democratic strategy, it's working, right? It can work. Just because that's the Democrat strategy doesn't mean that it won't work. So here was Trump yesterday going off on the court. So while Israel is being attacked, while Ukraine is being attacked, while inflation is eating our country alive, I'm down here. And these are all political opponent attack ads by the Biden administration. Their poll numbers are terrible. You show what happened today. The New York Times and CBS came out with a poll that I'm leading all over the place. But uh, it's a very unfair situation. This is really election interference. That's all it is. This trial is ridiculous. These are political operatives that I'm going to be dealing with right now. Uh, you have a racist attorney general who made some terrible statements. And we just see some more that came over the wires today. It's a very sad situation for our country. We shouldn't have this. This is for third world countries. Okay, again, what he's saying here is not wrong. The problem is that if Americans are focusing on Trump's legal foibles, they're not focusing on the stuff that Trump is saying they should focus on. Or Trump is saying focus on Joe Biden being a bad president. And then, of course, he's in court. And that's a big story. Of course it is. He's the former president of the United States. And he's facing down four criminal trials and a civil trial. Like, that's, that's, that's not great for the upcoming year. I can sympathize with Trump. I can donate to Trump's legal defense fund in cases like this. And I can still think, that maybe it's a dangerous move politically for Republicans to nominate the guy who's likely to spend the next year in court talking about his legal troubles, allowing the media to swivel their attention from Joe Biden's consistent record of failure over to Donald Trump and his legal issues. So Trump yesterday began his testimony in court by delivering a series of broadsides against both the court and the prosecution. He said of the judge, I'm sure the judge will rule against me because he always rules against me. That's true. He told the judge he knew nothing about me. And then he referred to Letitia James as, quote, this political hack back there. Again, all of this is um, all of this is correct. Also, Donald Trump couldn't stop himself from actually giving credence to the charges against him, for example. So at one point, he claimed that he personally intervened to talk about the asset value of some of his assets, which is something he's been trying to shy away from. He's trying to say that basically his lawyers did it, it wasn't him. So he's not responsible because one of the things that the judge in this case, Engeron, who is a motivated left winger, that Engeron is trying to do is remove Trump from control of his own companies and find him $250 million, which is a lot of money, even if you are Donald Trump. So Trump, again, putting him on the stand is a dangerous move, obviously. It resulted in the, the judge basically threatening to toss Trump off the stand. According to Politico, testimony by Donald Trump in a civil fraud trial Monday, quickly descended into bitter sniping as Trump's discursive answers and outbursts prompted the judge to repeatedly admonish him. He spent four hours on the witness stand. He lost his temper and attacked the judge, railing against the person who will decide the fate of his business empire and suggesting that one of his pretrial rulings was very stupid. He says, it's a terrible thing you've done. You know nothing about me. Trump's primary defense, which he has offered publicly since the start of the trial, is that financial statements contain very, very powerful disclaimers and therefore weren't intended for use by banks or insurers. But um, and then in the middle of his testimony, he suggested that actually the banks may have relied on it. Now, again, the case is complete bunk. It's garbage. It shouldn't be brought in the first place. And it is Letitia James being malicious as all hell in bringing this thing. 
Also, when you're in the middle of a legal case, no matter the grounds upon which it is brought, just as a lawyer, you got to be extremely careful in how you handle those charges. Politically, Trump can be totally in the right. And legally, he can still put himself in dire jeopardy. So this is going to be a continuing problem for Trump. This is going to be a continuing problem. And again, I wish it weren't, but it is. And that's, that's just a reality. Again, the focus right now, if you are if you are a Republican, should be on the failures of Joe Biden. But if it's on Trump, it's going to be a problem. Here's Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba, losing it on the judge yesterday. Again, she's not wrong. We're honest. Coming from the judge who has already predetermined that my client committed fraud before we even walked into this courtroom. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Then why exactly... Am I being paid as an attorney? And why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? The answer is very clear. Because Miss James wants to stand right here like she did this morning and call my client a liar. Call the company fraudulent and make a name for herself. I don't care who you are. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can put objections on the record. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. And you know what? You shouldn't either. Okay, again, she's not wrong. Also, is this going to be the top of the headlines or Joe Biden's failures? That's always the question. That's always the question. In just one second, we'll get to even Democrats now starting to realize that maybe Joe Biden shouldn't be their candidate first. This Veterans Day, it's all about giving back to those who have served in our nation's armed forces. That is where Black Rifle Coffee Company comes in. As a veteran founding company, Black Rifle's mission has always been to support and empower fellow servicemen and women. Thanks to all of you who grabbed a can of ready-to-drink coffee this year, Black Rifle Coffee Company has been able to raise 500 grand for the boot campaign. This massive donation will be put to work to help restore the lives of veterans and their families. It wouldn't have been possible without your help. Where you choose to shop matters. Thanks to the hardworking Americans who get their premium coffee from Black Rifle, they were able to donate over 400 grand to the Medal of Honor Museum and 75 grand to the Vets Gala to help provide essential mental health services for the veterans who need the most. This commitment goes beyond just great coffee and giving back. Veterans Day is also about honoring our service members by sharing their stories. Head to BlackRifleCoffee.com to hear the incredible story of Marine Recon legend Clint Trial. Take the time to honor all those who serve and sacrifice so much for our freedoms this Veterans Day. I tell you, I rely on Black Rifle Coffee. I mean, I really do. I've been traveling a lot. Got back really late last night, up early this morning. Black Rifle Coffee is making it happen for me. It'll do the same for you. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Again, when I talk about Joe Biden's vulnerability, other people on the left are noticing his vulnerability. They're trying to chalk it up on the radical left to support for Israel, but he's just a vulnerable candidate. He's a bad candidate. He's been in the low 40s or high 30s in terms of his approval rating for months at this point. I mean, that just is what it is. The presidential job approval rating, according to Real Clear Politics right now, he is underwater by about 15 points. And that is not a major increase from where he was, you know, as, as late as like July of 2022. At that point, he was 18 points underwater. He's been consistently underwater in terms of his approval rating since literally August of 2021. It is now November of 2023. So what that bespeaks is the fact that the president of the United States, a very weak candidate, David Axelrod, who is, of course, the chief political advisor to Barack Obama, he's like, well, maybe they shouldn't run him, maybe. And my concerns, I want to make clear, I think 
Biden's been a great president. I think he's done things that have generational will have generational impact and importance. I think he's, you know, been honorable in the office. Uh, you know, I, I have I have nothing but good things to say. But uh, as I've said for like a couple of years now, the issue is not uh, for him is is not uh political it's actuarial and you can see that in this poll i mean there's just a lot of concern about the age issue and uh and that is something that i think he needs to uh, ponder just do a check and say is this the right thing uh to do hey that would be um a good question there from david axelrod what's hilarious though is that the democrat true believers are like well that just means we have to work harder so here are the ladies of the view saying to democrats well if you don't like the approval ratings, then work harder for Biden. I mean, here's the big problem, of course. If they get rid of Biden, it's going to rip open a can of worms like you've never seen. If Biden steps down, it's going to be a battle to the death between Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, and Gavin Newsom. And that is an ugly battle for the Democratic Party. You basically have a prep school white kid, Gavin Newsom, against Pete Buttigieg, whose sole claim to fame is that he is a gay mayor, against Kamala Harris, whose sole claim to fame is that she's the worst vice president in American history. And that includes Spiro Agnew, who had to resign from the job. Like, you think that Biden's bad. Wait until you get to the guys who are right below him. Anyway, here's the view, basically like, well, no, what if we just, what if we, what if we just, uh, you know, whistle our way past the graveyard here? There's going to be a choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. You know, uh, Ax says, Axelrod says, uh, this is the last time. No, actually, that ship has sailed. Like the deadline to get on the on the ballot for Nevada was two weeks ago. Yeah. There are deadlines that you need to meet in order to be on the ballot, and those deadlines are passing or gone. And so this, you know, I think Democrats need to stop fretting, need to stop looking at this as a warning, and look at it as a wake-up call to organize, to mobilize, to register people, to talk about the accomplishments of this administration. If you want to be Donald Trump, stop clutching your pearls and get to work. Okay, well, um, we'll see how well that works out for them. In the end, I think they're just going to rely on the legal strategy to take down Trump. It may be successful, by the way. Again, just because it's scurrilous and gross doesn't mean it won't be successful. Already coming up, we'll be joined by Faith Moore. She is Andrew Clavin's daughter and the author of the brand new book, Christmas Carol with a K. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. <laughs> We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. 